Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. The Child and Adolescent Data Lab uh, is an applied research center. We are primarily focused on using big data, data analytics, uh, data science approach to addressing some of the most complex problems as they relate to children and family in the state of Michigan. Uh, we partner primarily with uh, child protection, foster care, juvenile justice system, and we use uh, large administrative data sets to understand how children and family move through these systems, um, what some of their experiences are. We help uh, folks in the field think about uh, what are the most pressing problems as they see them and how we can use information and data to solve some of those problems. In terms of the challenges of working with administrative data or big data in the area of children and families, um, the quality of the data that's collected. A lot of administrative data is not collected specifically for the purposes of research. So many times we're using data that weren't collected for, this, for these stated purposes. And so that's some of the challenge. Uh, some of the challenges are identifying what are the most pressing problems. There's thousands of problems to be addressed. And so prioritizing um, what takes precedent uh, and priority is, is a challenge. So in our work, we think of it sort of in two different areas um, in terms of outcomes and impact of the work. Uh, the first area has to do with performance metrics of the, the child welfare system. So we help the state think about what are good performance metrics for a system. So if you looked at this foster care system, let's say, or the child protection system, how would you know if it's functioning well? An example is we look at things like the recurrence of child abuse and neglect. So the recurrence of child abuse and neglect is a child experiences physical abuse, sexual abuse, or neglect, and then experiences another incidence of, of abuse or neglect within a certain period of observation. Let's say it's 12 months. Right now, that's about 10% of all children who experience abuse and neglect go on to experience another event within a year. And so in thinking about how, you know, if it's a 10% today and we want to be at 8% tomorrow, um, how could we do that? We could do that a couple of different ways. You know, one way, and historically this has been the approach, we ask caseworkers to roll up their sleeves and work harder. Um, or we could adopt some sort of latest program off the shelf implement it, child abuse and neglect, maybe prevention program, and hope that that works. Um, we take a little bit different approach and use a lot of the data that come in. So there's about 160,000 reports of abuse and neglect in any given year in the state of Michigan. Um, and so we use these data to understand maybe which children are at greatest risk of experiencing um, a, a subsequent report. So in, in research terms, we're interested in the variation. So 10% might be the overall average for the state, but there could be some subpopulations like really young children where it's 20%. And there could be particular counties that have particularly low or particularly high risks. And so we use the data to help drive uh, the limited resources that the state has in targeting the highest risk populations. So that's sort of one, one approach or one impact. 
The other is we try to use data uh, and data systems to solve problems that span different service sectors. So historically, child welfare or foster care tries to solve child welfare or foster care problems only using their data. And we see this in education as well. So in studies of, let's say, high school graduation rates, um, education, um, education departments use things like test scores and attendance records and the demographics of the students to understand uh, graduation rates. But there's a whole other world of information that we could bring to bear that might help us understand these outcomes, like whether the child was abused or neglected that's likely gonna have an impact on their performance in school. Uh, are the parents incarcerated? That might have an impact on their school. And so the other big piece of what we do in the Child and Adolescent Data Lab is link um, data systems together. So we connect uh, records of child abuse and neglect with records of foster care, with records of um, juvenile crime, with records of uh, adults involved with the state police and the adult correctional system. So we get a more comprehensive picture of children and families rather than these little snapshots uh, and moments in time. Where the, where the Child and Adolescent Data Lab fits in, uh, and to some extent where the University of Michigan fits in, is that we start using information, data, empirical evidence, um, on a regular basis. It becomes part of our daily diet in terms of making policy, implementing programs, evaluating programs. I'd like to see us have the same level of commitment in public policy, in state government, with data, with data analytics, like other Fortune 500 companies, right? A real, a real commitment to performance metrics. If you think about uh, the child welfare system or the juvenile justice system, it's probably a $500 million enterprise, let's just say juvenile justice on its own here in the state of Michigan. But no one could tell you how many adolescents were arrested last year. Nobody could tell you of those arrested last year or this year, which kids are likely to come back next year for a new offense. Um, so I'd like to see some commitment, um, and, I, and I see that now with with um, when we when we engage in some of the work we're doing, uh, I think people get sort of excited about answering some of these questions. Um, so I'd like to see that. Um, and the other piece I'd like to see, and, and I think we're moving towards, is a similar level of commitment towards science and evaluation methods and and rigor in terms of testing innovations and programs. Uh, on the social services side. Very similar to what we do in medicine. Right? You wouldn't go to your uh, orthopedic surgeon um, and uh, they would guess whether or not this intervention is gonna work to fix your broken arm. Um, we do some of that in on the social services side uh, because maybe in part because the problems are so complex or we don't have the same history of randomized clinical trials that they do in medicine. Um, but I, I see us sort of moving towards that. We have really another child welfare system uh, that's happening uh, in the United States, and it's at our, it starts at our borders. So not, not children removed from their homes for reasons of abuse and neglect, but children who come across the border for all sorts of reasons. 
And it's a fairly large system. So just in 2019, there were 70,000 children that came across the border without, their, without parents, without adults. So these are not the, the family separation cases. Um, these are uh, children, you know, largely between the ages of 12 and 17 from Honduras, from Guatemala. And they make their way here for, like I said, all sorts of reasons. But then there's a system set up to try to get them connected with family members. And so I was asked to spend um, some time in uh, Harlingen and McAllen, uh, San Antonio, uh, Brownsville, in the different shelters along the border where these children come um, to think about, um, A, the quality of the environment, um, but also how long it takes a child who comes across the border to reach family here. So thinking, you know, again, so in the domestic side, I talked about recurrence as a performance metric. Um, the performance metric in this program, which is run by the Office of Refugees and Resettlement, is thinking about how long children spend in shelters before they find some sort of permanent place to live. Um, and so... I'm going to, we're continuing that here in the data lab for the next few months, uh, visiting shelters. Some of these children are here in Michigan. They're not only at the border. Once they come into the system, uh, for the ones who come with families, they, they move pretty quick through that shelter system. Uh, but for the adolescents who show up with no families, there's uh, a lot fewer options for them. So some of them find their way into our domestic foster care program. Some of them end up just staying long-term in the shelters. Um, so we're thinking about, uh, our work primarily is thinking about um, how we can improve that child welfare system um, for children coming across the border. We're starting a new um, partnership with the Department of Health and Human Services and the University of Michigan, uh, really solving or trying to solve two problems with one intervention. And the two problems are um, young children uh, who experience neglect uh, are one of the highest risk groups to experience neglect again. So children zero to five. So that's a particular problem on the child welfare side that people in the Children's Services Administration are trying to address. There's another problem that's, that's related and it, and it deals with uh, public benefits. A lot of families are eligible for public benefits, cash assistance, um, food assistance programs, um, but for whatever reason, uh, and there's probably many of them, uh, the vast majority of them don't take advantage of it. Now, the reason these uh, two issues are connected is because child neglect is highly correlated with poverty. And so we are going to test using a randomized clinical trial um, benefit coaches, if you think of sort of life coaches, uh, professional coaches. Um, this is a benefit coach when, when a family is identified with a young child associated with a case of neglect. Um, we're going to connect that family with a benefits coach, and that benefits coach is going to work to get the family uh, engaged and enrolled in public benefits. And we think it's a relatively simple solution to a chronically stubborn problem. It'll hopefully increase the take-up rate of public benefits that are available to eligible families. And uh, secondly, it, it might significantly reduce the risk of 
uh, repeat child neglect in the state. So we're particularly excited about that. And it's a great partnership between um, the university and state government. The Wolverine Caucus, I think, is important for uh, a number of reasons. One, it's uh, a great opportunity for uh, the public and certainly our elected officials to have a conversation with folks at the university about the work that's going on here. There's a lot of work that has a direct impact on the lives of families uh, of Michigan residents. Diabetes, climate change, the health care of our uh, elderly, poverty, all of these things are, are vitally important to our state. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to that. And, and the university does not want to operate in a bubble. They want to be engaged and working to solve some of these problems um, uh, and, and helping people find solutions in the state. Uh, in terms of takeaways from uh, the caucus, I, uh, I think we sh I'd like folks to walk away with the understanding that um, we need information and data to drive public policy. We can't go only on what we think sounds good uh, or we think will be good for children and families. It should be have some sort of strong em empirical foundation. Uh, and the other thing is that it's a more efficient way actually to run organizations, to use information. Um, the, the state government uh, collects a lot of data um, and I think we, we're, we are uh, missing opportunities at time to put that data to work. There's a couple of uh, key takeaways about how we engage um, uh, and work with public. Um, from a university perspective. Historically, I would say the, the university model, certainly around child and family policy, would be that university faculty would go to state governments and they would say, hey, I got this great idea. I got this you know, um, student who's going to write a dissertation on something. Can I, can I get your data so that we can work on the study and then we'll return a, a, a fascinating report to you? Um, and a lot of times we would either not return that report or it was on a problem that or, or an area that wasn't of really pressing concern to folks. Um, so what we try to do in the data lab is spend a lot of time in the field listening to what they would like help with. So rather than us taking our expertise into the field, um, we look to develop partnerships where we can capitalize both on the collective expertise of folks here at the university, on the data research evaluation side, with the expertise that they have in the field in terms of making policy, in terms of delivering services. And so I think engagement really has to start there. It's not really just about, hey, we did this study, now let's market it up um, to a way that we think everyone's going to find interesting. I think it has to start with, are they part of the process in terms of driving the research agenda? Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.